Whatever it is you want to do in life, you'll be able to do. It's always you versus you. That it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, you can achieve anything that you set your mind to. Spend the rest of your natural life waking up and going after it. This is my purpose, and you will not stop me. You are listening to Mojo Sports. Welcome to the So You Think You Can Ball podcast, the NFL show, episode three. I'm here with my illustrious panel. I've got Dan, Alex, and Pierre. Um, All right, let's roll into our first segment. This is The Huddle, where we focus on a team. And this week, we are talking all things Philadelphia Eagles. Leave no regrets out there. That is what a real champion is made of. And for the Philadelphia Eagles... The long drought is over. How about those trees? A touchdown and a title for the Patriots. I can't believe it. They have completed the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history. Those will be the best memories. Welcome back. Uh, this is The Huddle. And this week we are talking all things Eagles. Now, when you think about the Eagles, you've really... There's two things that really comes to mind. One is the Super Bowl that they won in 2017 and the Philly special. Unfortunately, the Eagles now look a little bit different. What are, what, what are we feeling at the moment, Alex? Uh, I feel like it's just shot after shot for them right now. I feel like they're trying to patch holes where they're, you know, trying to patch holes and it's, it's either going to work for them or it's not going to work for them. You know, with, with no Carson Wentz, um, you know, what is, what does that do to Philadelphia? You know, is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? I mean, they still had how many losses under him last year? Um, so at the end of the day, I don't think that's a huge loss for them. You know, with Jalen Hurts coming in now to that quarterback role, Joe Flacco is that kind of backup of that vet for Jalen to learn from. I think that's going to be great for them in a quarterback role. But then you got to look at the coach, Nick Sirianni, you know, three years at the Colts, Offensive coordinator, first-year head coach, you know, all eyes are going to be on him and, and what his personnel is going to be like. And, you know, is, you know, can he coach in the NFL? Can he be a head coach? I think the question is, too, is, is if you're a, an OC and this is your first head coaching role and you've come into an organization that has not had a great, you know, run the last couple of years and isn't currently the situation where they – you know, the quarterback situation is no good. They've got holes all over the field. I mean, what does that mean for Jalen? You know, this poor kid's been drafted and is now coming to this organization. And, and does the coach, uh, you know, does Sirianni need to like step out there and go, okay, this is my game. This is the game plan. You guys need to buy in and we'll get here. Or do we just not even know if that's possible yet? I don't know if they know that that's possible yet. Uh, I mean, defensively, they've got holes. Offensively, they've got holes. You know, they've got a left guard where they've got their first two strings. The first, the first string's questionable, the second string's out. What do you do there? You know, that's a position that you don't want a, you know, fresh-faced player stepping into, especially when you're a quarterback. Um, so I, I, I guess, you know, and, and then they've got issues at the tight end spot. Is Zach Ertz staying or going? Nobody knows. Again, it's, we're, we're looking at this whole field team, you know, with, with, you know, drama coming in, you know, are they going to go out and get Deshaun Watson? You know, that's just more on top of it, you know, and do they need that when really they should be hunkering down and focusing on football? Yeah, no, I think, I think Jalen Hurts uh, is a tremendous leader. You know, that that's one of the, 
the big intangibles that he was able to bring to the franchise from Alabama. So, um, you know, from all reports, he's just a he's a clear leader. You know, he didn't have it all his way in college. I guess the question is, is that he's a very unique type of quarterback, which makes everyone sort of question whether he is the long term answer there at the Eagles. Uh, he isn't the best thrower of the football, uh, comparative to some of the the modern day uh, quarterbacks. But he does, and he, and he also doesn't have that electric pace as your Lamar Jackson's in terms of running. So he kind of finds himself in the middle, which is, you know, a little bit of a dif- difficult situation. But you know, I, I'm with Alex. You know, where they are, given the significant cap hit that they took after losing Carson Wentz, they really can't afford to go out and spend big money on another quarterback. They're going to have to stick with Jalen and do everything they can to build around him to give him the best opportunity. But you know, from a leadership perspective. You know, he could be what they need to, uh, you know, hopefully turn things around in what is a really, uh, you know, call it for what it is. It, it, it is a really challenging division. You know, the NFC East is trash. So any team can win. I think it's definitely going to be a rebuilding year for, for the Eagles, at least this year, if not yes, next year as well. But I think the benefit is that the rest of the division, the, their division rivals haven't jumped much in terms of improvement either. We'll talk a little bit more about the, the rookie class of the Eagles a little bit later in the segment, but I just wanted to talk a little bit, um, Pierre, just about Devonta Smith. Um, you know, he's he's a kind of guy, he got drafted last year from Alabama and he's quite undersized. Like if, if the Eagles are looking for this guy to make an impact, what impact does his size have on his game versus some of these bigger dbs i mean taking consideration that he's only like six foot um he doesn't he weighs like 90 kilos maybe so how is he going to go against some of those really massive dbs uh against some of the other teams in the nfl yeah look i'm a strong believer in um in size doesn't matter. I mean, it really depends on how you play on the field. Like you can be the smallest man out there, but if you can do your job very well, um, especially as a rookie, I feel like Devonta would be um, someone who's really wanting to earn his spot on the on the roster. I don't think size, and being undersized, is pro- is something that you would say that I would pin against him. I think that could also work to his advantage. Uh, Alex, what, what what's your feel on Devonte? Uh, I mean, he was he was great coming out of Alabama. I think kind of um, being in that program and having Jalen Hurts in the same program, I think it'll be interesting to see those two link up. Um, they've come from very similar types of college football. Um, as far as the wide receiver, I mean, what he's out for two to three weeks now due to an MCL sprain. Uh, what does that do to him? You know, is the pressure going to be too much for him? Is he going to be able to make those catches that he needs to make? I mean, Philadelphia – traded up for him. So clearly they wanted him for a reason. But is he going to be able to produce the X factor, the numbers that he produced at Alabama for for the Eagles? I don't know. We have to wait and see. And we won't the first week. That's true. That's true. And I guess while we're talking about wide receivers, Dan, what's your what was your impression of uh, Jalen Rager? I thought uh, one of the things that this franchise has been a little bit tortured with is production from the wide receiving core. Uh, they've had the big names. They've tried it with rookies. They brought players in, and they just haven't been able to get that right. So you know, there was a lot of expectation in and around Jalen last year coming into the draft. You know, if you go out and spend a first-round draft pick on a wide receiver, that, that, that that's, a, that's a risky play. So for the Eagles, they were expecting big things out of him, and 
you know, what, what made things a little bit more challenging is that players who got drafted after him went on to star. You know, guys like Justin Jefferson for the Vikings, you know, that guy looks like an absolute superstar and Jalen sort of struggled a little bit. I guess with the likes of Devontae Smith coming in as also a first-round pick and opposes to the group, do you think that takes pressure off Jalen Rager this year? You know, he's yeah, not the only sure. first-round pick wide receiver out there. He's got Devonta Smith out there with him if he stays healthy. Do you think that takes the pressure off him? Definitely, definitely. And I think that that fires a little bit of competitiveness in there too. And Pierre, like, you know, when we're talking about competitiveness, what's the mindset that the starter will have? Starter, you've got everything to lose because you literally, all it takes is you just doing that one Thing that's wrong like maybe you run the wrong route or maybe you didn't make that intercept or you didn't make that tackle that's all it really takes for you to drop from first string down like I know when I did in world cup it was like it was um it was brutal like I've never been through anything like that and I could only just imagine that that's exactly what the NFL guys are going through I want to look talk about their running back core um and they've got like so they've got three running backs and they're all similar size which is quite small but they're all quite quick. And, you know, um, you know, Miles Sanders was, you know, the big guy, um, the guy to watch last year. You know, he played 12 games. He ran for 867 yards. Um, you know, he was averaging like 72 yards a game. But to be honest, I've had my eye on Boston Scott for a little while. Um, and, you know, group, feel free to chime in on this one. But I think that he's going to be quite good for the team this year. And he's actually making a pretty big impact at training camp at the moment. So it's going to be interesting to see how they use that those three small backs when they don't really have that power back combination that we tend to see, you know, in a lot of the offenses at the moment. And Alex, what's your, uh, what's your thoughts on this new rookie running back? Oh, yeah. I mean, he, he led the FBS with 2,069 all-purpose yards, right? And he rushed for 1,459. I mean, the, the guy can run. Um, so I think it's going to be interesting to see how he fits in with the Eagles and what kind of impact he can make on this team. Um, you know, as you don't have to be drafted in the first round to, to, to be a standout player. And so I think having a young running back that's kind of got nothing to lose and that can go out there and just, you know, make that position his own, if you will, since they struggle there, then I think that that's going to be a good asset for them for sure. I just wanted to, I also wanted to just give a quick shout out to the two Aussie guys playing for the Eagles at the moment. We've got Matt Leo. He's a defensive end from Australia. He actually went to Iowa state and joined as the, as part of the international player pathway program last year. Um, and fellow Aussie Jordan Mailata, who's back for his third season. So I always love seeing these uh, big Aussie boys back down in the trenches. Let's have a look to their predicted record for the Eagles for this season. Um, 2020 saw them with horrendous turnover records, uh, finishing last in the NFC East, which we've already said, you know, NFC East is a trash fire. Um, I would, and they finished last year 4-11. and 11. So where are we thinking they're going to finish this year? I'm, I'm probably sitting around the 6-11 six, six mark. I think there's a minor improvement. Yeah, I think with that offense comes the fact that they're young. So I'm going to give them 5-12. and 12. I think they're going to take a season to at least kind of get their bearings. Generous and say seven and ten. Really, fans won't want to hear that, but I've uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a bit of a tricky season for them. Yeah, I'm going to go with eight nine. If we look over their schedule too, I mean, it starts off quite hard in the season and then finishes pretty easily. So they might pick up a couple of wins at the back end of the season. Let's move into our next segment, which is the match. This week we are matching up 
the better defensive backs. Jalen Ramsey versus Stefan Gilmore. The most anticipated match in history, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, let's get ready to rumble! All right, everybody, welcome back to the match. Uh, if you haven't joined us before, the matchup position versus position, team on team. This week, we're focusing on defensive backs. Pierre, tell me, what makes a great defensive back? I think there's so many elements that go into a great defensive back. I mean, if you're looking at a safety, they're going to understand the game a little bit more. They're kind of like the quarterback of defense on the defensive side. Then you look at a corner, they're going to understand how to, you know, outside outside contain and make sure they're following the receivers. So I think depending on what um, depending on what uh, position that they're playing, um, I think the most important thing is knowing who they're up against. So understanding who their receiver is or the opposing um, offensive player and really just understanding the game and who they're up and how they play. Yeah, exactly. You know, defensive back is, is my favorite position. Um, and I'm going to jump straight into this and I want to chat Jalen Ramsey. Um, you know, what I love about him is he's a dog. Like he's a mad dog. He's aggressive. He's a shit talker. He gets in your head, um, you know, and that, and he's just put so much power um, and I just love that he's been able to make plays on the quarterbacks at times. Um, he's always someone that you have to have your eye on if you're a quarterback. To, to your point, uh, you know, you've got to love that confidence. You know what I mean? Jalen enters the field uh, not just confident in his play, but he thinks that he is the best ever player to ever play the position. Now, whether that's right or wrong, I think we'll debate tonight, but you've got to love that confidence and you have to. You know, when you're coming up against these wide receivers, you know, if, if you're not if you're not entering the field uh, full of confidence and, and knowing that you can dominate them one-on-one, then, you know, you're going to have a lot of challenges. But for me, you know, I, I think, you know, Jalen's a really interesting story because, you know, the Rams have sort of gone out and they've paid a huge price for him. So two first-round picks, a fourth-round pick, you know, is he delivering on, on that sort of cost? Because, you know, it, 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 it's a lot to pay for, for a guy who... Uh, is certainly talented, but you know you think about the types of plays that they could have got. I think he's letting them down. I don't think he was worth the trip. I don't think he was worth what he was paid for. You know, I, I think he was doing better at um, at Jacksonville. When you look at his tackle rates, you know, with his first couple seasons at Jacksonville, he had a high tackle count. Um, and now with the Rams, yes, he's still tackling well, but he's 65th in tackles and 44th in interceptions. You know. It, He's not doing his job and what he was paid to do well enough, I think, in my opinion, for what he was traded for. I think what you get to what you see with Jalen Ramsey too is, you know, that aggressiveness that I love from him. I fell in love with that aggressiveness when he was in in at the Jags. You know, he was part of that that breakout defensive season that, like I've said before, won me a, a heap of money um, betting. And uh, you know, so the stats that really stick out for me for Jalen Ramsey are he's had eight tackles for a loss, which is excellent, which means he's a shutdown corner. You know, coming down hard on off the flat, and he's had three forced fumbles. Um, you know, and that comes from a, a hard hit. You know, so that's what I love about him. And if we flip all of that and talk about Stephon Gilmore, you know, 2012, he was at the Bills. Uh, he was traded to the Pats just at the right time, I think. Um, he sort of hit his stride and he was the best, the best corner in the league. You know, he um, had four trips to the Pro Bowl. Uh, he had multi-interception games. 
Um, but he has been injured. He did win the Super Bowl with the Patriots. Um, he's had quad and hamstring issues, and he only had one interception last year. But I really don't think that that sits um, in regards to what he's like as a player. And if we're talking about his contract, you know, he had a contract battle with the bat- with the Pats this year. He's only getting paid $7 million. You know, Pierre, what 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 does that say about the organization? If if one of your best corners out there is only getting paid seven million dollars, he isn't happy given that he's only getting paid half as much as the receivers that he's going up against. I don't know. For me, if I was if I was a defensive back, I'd be really offended by that. Would you guys trade him? I would. If he's earned, if if that's how much he's worth, I'd definitely earn, um trade him. I wouldn't trade him. He was, you know, he he was the best, the best in twenty nineteen, and I think. Given the fact that we look at how bad the Patriots' offense was last year, the defense was on the field for a lot longer than they should have been. You know, Pierre, you, you would know about this as well. You know, you know when your offense just can't fire and the defense is on the field the entire game. Imagine that for a whole NFL season. You know, you can imagine where, you know, the pressure would have come from, um, you know, having, you know, being that leader at 30 years old, uh, you know, sitting back there and trying to support the team that sort of has been so good for so long and is now in a horrendous, horrendous place um, offensively, trying to be that team that holds it all together. Do you stick, like, if you were Stefan Gilmore, do you stick it out and hope that it gets better or do you try and find somewhere else? I think um, you try and find somewhere else. At that age, it, it's kind of, uh, you're up against the youngest, younger people coming through it's going to be incredibly hard for you to climb back up that contract ladder and earn big bucks again. I think, I think they trade him um, only because I have my suspicions on Mac Jones, the quarterback. So if you could get a first-round pick for Gilmore, uh, it just gives you a little bit of security there next year in the draft where if Mac doesn't turn out and you have to burn a pick and you have to go for another quarterback, um, potentially that's something you could look at. The other thing too is JC Jackson, uh, the young cornerback, Coming through, he, he looks something special. So, you know, sometimes you've got to take away the safety valve of having, you know, a, a veteran starter there, take him out of the system and say to a guy like JC, okay, this is yours now. You know, you, you're, you're a number one guy. You need to take that next step in your career. Um, so I'm expecting a big year of production out of JC, and I think that, would, uh, that, that could um, help New England move on from Gilmore. No sitting on the fence. Who's the better DB and why? Alex. Uh, I think if you look at it, look, as you said, Stefan Gilmore, he was the best, right? Like, and the being the opt like the operative word of my sentence, the he I think he's on decline based on age with injuries. So for me, as much as I'm not a big fan of him, I gotta go with Jalen Ramsey. As a Patriot supporter, I've gotta go Gilmore, but it's very, very close. Like Gilmore, you know, he's got some injuries. He needs to come back and really produce early. Um, otherwise, to Alex's point through the season, Ramsey's going to have him. Yeah, look, I'm going to go with Alex on this one. Um, he's younger. I just think um, Gilmore's, he's just, I think it's just going to be too hard, too hard for him to get back up. And um, yeah, I'm with Alex on this one. As much as I love Jalen Ramsey, I have so much respect for Stefan Gilmore um, and just the way that he's performed. So I have to go with him. And to round our episode, we're going to move into our rapid-fire segment. And we're going to talk all about that and a whole bunch of other things. What you need to know tonight. Sincere apologies to Matt Damon. We ran out of time for him tonight. We'll get him on the air again soon. Oh, my boss is singing closing time. Maybe that's what you're doing. We're doing something a little bit different today, and we're looking at 
Mr. Peyton Manning. Uh, he got inducted into the Hall of Fame, uh, part of the class for this year. Um, and he has just one of the best stories, um, you know, going around. Uh, what, what's your thoughts on Peyton Manning, Alex? Oh, I like the guy. You know, he's, <laughs> you, he, he's just, he's been great to watch, I think, as, as a quarterback. Um, he's great to watch in the, uh, I think he does Allstate and he's, you know, very funny um, in those. Um, yeah, I think, you know, anyone that can kind of, have the career that he did at the Colts, go out with a neck injury, go to the Broncos, play like he did at the Broncos when everyone kind of counted him out a bit and go win a Super Bowl at both those clubs, you know, it is kind of, you know, that's a, that's a small group of, of quarterbacks, I think, that can say that they've done that. Um, you know, I think I, it's two. I think it's yeah. two. I think it's Brady and it's Manning. Brady and Manning right now. And, and, and I love what uh, Brady said in his, when he went to um, the induction, he was like, oh, I just have to make sure he's actually retired because we don't want him coming back, you know? So, and that's fair. Cause I feel like if he did, you know, he, he'd step on the field and, and, and you know, still own it's, it. I think it's always, it's always been, it's been my favorite thing to watch. And it wasn't until I actually listened to an episode of sports wars and they uh, look at rivalries in sport and Manning versus Brady rivalry. Um, not out of my interest of only football, um, but the story of their rivalry is just so fascinating uh, because the fierce, fierce rivals, but they also have so much respect for each other. You know, they were, they were two quarterbacks. You know, one was from a little bit of a new school era. One was working, you know, majority in the old school kind of offense. Um, and every time that they'd come together, it'd just be a fight to the depths and it'd be one on one on one. And they ended up facing each other like 17 times during their career, which is crazy. But if we focus back on Manning, he remains the only quarterback to throw for 4,000 yards or more in 11 of his first 13 NFL seasons. What I sort of wanted to touch on a little bit is, you know, this guy was born, he was born, born into a football family. Arch Manning, um, you know, he was the son of Arch Manning who played quarterback for the Saints. And there's that famous video that, that goes around and it's of Peyton Manning and he's like a tiny, tiny kid. And he's asked, who's your favorite football player? And he's like, my dad. You know, which is so cute, right? But then, you know, uh, growing up, having spent a lot of time with uh, in the NFL system, moving to Tennessee, he went first pick in the 1998 draft uh, to Indy, where he spent 14 seasons. Like Alex said, went down with a neck injury. 539 touchdown passes, 14 Pro Bowls, two Super Bowl championships. And aside from Brady, the only quarterback to win Super Bowls with two teams, five times MVP. The guy has broken almost every single record, but I don't think that you can say see a guy who loves football as much as Peyton Manning. And that's, I think, what made him a legend, you know, just, just how much passion he has for the game. What, what's been, you know, tell me your favourite Manning highlight. Dan, what do you got? Yeah, Peyton's quite interesting because, you know, if you look at him, he came in you know, six foot five, Came from a famous family. He was the number one draft pick. Whilst he, whilst he was that big, typical quarterback, you wouldn't say that he was the most athletic uh, QB compared to some of the modern-day modern day players. So he's a guy that, that goes down as, as one of the all-time greats. But, you know, my sort of question is, how did he do it? You know, if he wasn't the most athletic, if he didn't throw the the best football compared to some of the, you know, some of the, uh, the all-time greats, you know, how, how, did, how was Manning so successful? For me, I think it was 
he was just the smartest player on the field. He was literally a coach on the field. So, you know, we, we talk about some of these young players that, you know, will change the occasional play. That's cute because Manning did that every single game, most plays. You know, he would go in and he would change the play. Um, Omaha. Omaha. Absolutely. And, and I, I just think that, that that's where some of the sweet science of our game uh, is in the NFL. And that's what made me fall in love with it is, you know, he's a guy who, you know, there's players out there that are faster than him, that can throw a better football, but he's smarter than them. And, you know, he, he looks at the, the opposition defense and he knows what they're going to do. So he can change the play and he can just produce. So for me, one of the one of the most impressive things about Manning was just his ability to outsmart his opposition. He had to reinvent himself when he went to Denver. You know, it was completely new. Um, you know, and he, it was amazing to sort of see – like he was the the absolute old school quarterback trying to work in this new school system and he had success with it. And I don't think there's many quarterbacks that you could probably say that could do the same thing. You know, what, what else can you give the guy that's won everything, Pierre? Like what, what would the Hall of Fame mean to Manning? Oh, I think it means everything that he's worked hard for. I mean, like that gold jacket that that is um, worn by all of those players that get it. Um, you can see how much it means to them. You can see it on their faces. You can see the emotion behind it. You can see all that. Like I know it's just a jacket, but for them it's the immortality of being up there amongst the best. And I think for him he's um, definitely symbolised that over the years. You know, and if we look over, you know, just a couple of those games and, and sort of just round out a little bit about Manning, there's not many quarterbacks that can go from, you know, a Super Bowl loss in 2010 to getting spanked by Russell Wilson in 2013 to leaving Indy to coming back to Denver to winning a Super Bowl after you've had Brock Osweiler of all people starting in front of you. I mean, look, the guy's an awesome quarterback, right? You lose two Super Bowls in a row. I mean, at that point you kind of go, all right, am I done? Everyone's telling me I'm done. The media is telling me I'm done. Everyone's telling me I should retire. You know, every time you step onto the field, especially for a Super Bowl with a player like that, there's that question mark whenever you hear it. You heard it with Drew Brees this past season. Is this his final game? Will he be retiring after that? And that just mentally can can kind of mess you up as a quarterback. And then you kind of go, well, maybe I should retire. But to come back halfway through the season like he did after that and to be able to take on the the Panthers in 2016 and win that Super Bowl, you know, when the Panthers were kind of on fire, if you will, and they were pegged as the underdogs, you know, it just it's a testament to his character as a quarterback on and off the field. You know, he came back swinging and fighting when everyone said that he probably should have quit a long time ago. And I and I honestly think that the Hall of Famers did them dirty with the size of the forehead on his buff. I don't know if anyone else saw it, but damn. You know, Peyton Manning's got a big forehead. Where We know this, but come on, guys. Like, he didn't have I think they gave him a little bit much. more hair. I think they were nice. I thought they gave him a bit more hair than what he actually had. But maybe it's from his younger days. So we'll, get, we'll give him a pass on that one. All right, guys. Well, that's us for, for this episode of the NFL show. Uh, please come back and, and join us ne- next week, and we'll see you next time. We won't hesitate to break down the garden gate. There's not much time left today. You have been listening to Mojo Sports. Thank you for your support. It is very much appreciated. 
team and I are trying to build something a little different here. So everyone's support is very much appreciated. Continue to support the podcast, download, subscribe, check out our social media channels, give us a follow, and be sure to tell your friends about Australia's best kept secret. This is Mojo Sports.